Chapter Twenty Three of She and Alan. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. She and Alan by H. Ryder Haggard. Chapter Twenty Three. What Umslopogas saw. Like one who dreams, I passed down the outer hall, where stood the silent guards, as statues might, and out through the archway. Here I paused for a moment, partly to calm my mind in the familiar surroundings of the night, and partly because I thought that I heard someone approaching me through the gloom. And in such a place where I might have many enemies, it was well to be prepared. As it chanced, however, my imaginary assailant was only Hans, who emerged from some place where he had been hiding, a very disturbed and frightened Hans. Oh, Baas, he said in a low and shaky whisper, I am glad to see you again and standing on your feet, not being carried with them sticking straight in front of you, as I expected. Why? I asked. Oh, Baas, because of the things that happened in that place where the tall prow, with her head tied up as though she had toothache, sits like a spider in a web. Well, what happened, Hans? I asked as we walked forward. This, Baas, the doctor has talked and talked at you and Umslopogas, and as she talked your faces began to look as though you had drunk half a flask too much of the best gin, such as I wish I had some of here tonight, at once wise and foolish, and full and empty, Baas. Then you both rolled over and lay there quite dead, and whilst I was wondering what I should do and how I should get out your bodies to bury them, the doctoress came down off her platform and bent first over you and next over Umslopogas, whispering into the ears of both of you. Then she took off a snake that looked as though it were made of gold, with green eyes, which she wears about her middle beneath the long dishcloth, Baas, and held it to your lips, and next to those of Umslopogas. Well, and what then, Hans? After that all sorts of things came about, Baas, and I felt as though the whole house were travelling through the air, Baas twice as fast as a bullet does from a rifle. Suddenly, too, the room became filled with fire so hot that it scorched me, and so bright that it made my eyes water, although they can look at the sun without winking. And, Baas, the fire was full of spooks which walked around, Yes, I saw some of them standing on your head and stomach, Baas, also on that of Umslopogas, 
whilst others went and talked to the white doctors as quietly as though they had met her in the market-place and wanted to sell her eggs or butter then baas suddenly i saw your reverend father the predicant who looked as though he were red-hot as doubtless he is in the place of fires i thought he came up to me baas and said get out of this hans this is no place for a good hottentot like you hans for here only the very best christians can bear the heat for long that finished me baas i just answered that i handed you the baas alan his son over to his care hoping that he would see that you did not burn in that oven whatever happened to umslopogaas then i shut my eyes and mouth and held my nose and wriggled beneath those curtains as the snake does baas and ran down the hall and across the kraal yard and through the archway out into the night where i have been sitting cooling myself ever since waiting for you to be carried away baas and now you have come alive and with not even your hair burnt off which shows how wonderful must be the great medicine of sikali baas since nothing else could have saved you in that fire no not even your reverend father the predicant hans i said when he had finished you are a very wonderful fellow for you can get drunk on nothing at all please remember hans that you have been drunk tonight yes very drunk indeed and never dare to repeat anything that you thought you saw while you were drunk yes baas i understand that i was drunk and already have forgotten everything but baas there is still a bottle full of brandy and if i could have just one more tot i should forget so much better by now we had reached our camp and here i found umslopogaas sitting in the doorway and staring at the sky good evening to you umslopogaas i said in my most unconcerned manner and waited good evening watcher by night who i thought was lost in the night since in the end the night is stronger than any of its watchers at this cryptic remark i looked bewildered but said nothing at length umslopogaas whose nature for a zulu was impulsive and lacking in the ordinary native patience asked did you make a journey this evening macumazahn and if so what did you see did you have a dream this evening umslopogaas i inquired by way of answer and if so what was it about i thought that i saw you shut your eyes in the house of the white one yonder doubtless because you were weary of talk which you did not understand i macumazahn as you suppose i grew weary of that talk which flowed from the lips of the white witch like the music that comes from a little stream babbling over stones when the sun is hot and being weary i fell asleep and dreamt 
what I dreamt does not much matter. It is enough to say that I felt as though I were thrown through the air like a stone cast from his sling by a boy who is set upon a stage to scare the birds out of a mealy garden. Further than any stone I went, I further than a shooting star, till I reached a wonderful place. It does not much matter what it was like either. And indeed I am already beginning to forget. But there I met everyone I have ever known. I met the Lion of the Zulus, the Black One, the Earth Shaker, he who had a sister named Baleka, which sister? Here he dropped his voice and looked about him suspiciously. Bore a child, which child was fostered by one Mopo, that Mopo who afterwards slew the black one with the princess. Now, Macumazahn, I had a score to settle with this black one. I, even though our blood be much of the same color, I had a score to settle with him because of the slaying of this sister of his, Baleka, together with the Langeni tribe. For the history of Baleka, the mother of Umslopogas and Mopo, see the book called Nada the Lily, editor. So I walked up to him and took him by the head ring and spat in his face and bade him find a spear and shield and meet me as man to man. Yes, I did this. And what happened then, Umslopogas, I said, when he paused in his narrative? Magumazan, nothing happened at all. My hand seemed to go through his head ring and the skull beneath, and to shut upon itself while he went on talking to someone else, a captain whom I recognized. Yes, one Faku whom in the days of Dingaan, the Black One's brother, I myself slew upon the ghost mountain. Yes, Macumazahn, and Faku was telling him the tale of how I killed him, and of the fight that I and my blood brother and the wolves made. There, on the knees of the old witch who sits aloft on the ghost mountain, waiting for the world to die. For I could understand their talk, though mine went by them like the wind. Macumazahn, they passed away, and there came others. Dingaan among them, I, Dingaan, who also knows something of the witch mountain, seeing that there Mopo and I hurled him to his death, with him also I would have had words, but it was the same story. Only presently he caught sight of the black one, yes, of Chaka, whom he slew, stabbing him with the little red Asagai, and turned and fled, because in that land I think he still fears Chaka, Magmazan or so the dream told. 
I went on and met others, men I had fought in my day, most of them. Among them was Jikiza, he who ruled the people of the axe before me, whom I slew with his own axe. I lifted the axe and made me ready to fight again, but not one of them took any note of me. There they walked about, or sat drinking beer or taking snuff, but never a sup of the beer or a pinch of the snuff did they offer me. No, not even those among them whom I chanced to have killed. So I left them and walked on, seeking for Mopo, my foster father, and a certain man, my blood brother, by whose side I hunted with the wolves. Yes, for them and for another. Well, and did you find them? I asked. Mopo I found not, which makes me think, Magumasan, that, as once you hinted to me, he whom I thought long dead, perhaps still lingers on the earth. But the others I did find. And he ceased brooding. Now I knew enough of Umslopogaas' history to be aware that he had loved this man and woman of whom he spoke more than any others on the earth. The blood brother, whose name he would not utter, by which he did not mean that he was his brother in blood, but one with whom he had made a pact of eternal friendship by the interchange of blood or some such ceremony, according to report had dwelt with him on the witch-mountain, where legend told, though this I could scarcely believe, that they had hunted with a pack of hyenas. There, it said also, they fought a great fight with a band sent out by Dingaan the king, under the command of that Faku, whom Umslopogas had mentioned, in which fight the blood-brother, wielder of the famous club known as the Watcher of the Forges, got his death after doing mighty deeds. There also, as I had heard, Nada the lily, whose beauty was still famous in the land, died under circumstances strange as they were sad. Naturally, remembering my own experiences, or rather what seemed to be my experiences, for already I had made up my mind that they were but a dream, I was most anxious to learn whether these two, who had been so dear to this fierce Zulu, had recognized him. Well, and what did they say to you, Umslopogas? I asked. Magumasan, they said nothing at all. Hearken, there stood this pair, or sometimes they moved to and fro my brother, an even greater man than he used to be, with a wolf-skin girt about him and the club, watcher of the forts, which he alone could wield upon his shoulder, and Nada, grown lovelier even than she was of old, so lovely, Makumasan, 
that my heart rose into my throat when I saw her and stopped my breath. Yes, Macmassan, there they stood, or walked about arm in arm as lovers might, and looked into each other's eyes and talked of how they had known each other on the earth, for I could understand their words or thoughts, and how it was good to be at rest together where they were. You see, they were old friends, Umslopogaas, I said. Yes, Macmassan, very old friends, as I thought, so much so that they had never had a word to say of me, who also was the old friend of both of them. I, my brother, whose name I am sworn not to speak, the woman-hater who vowed he loved nothing save me and the wolves, could smile into the face of Nada the lily. Nada, the bride of my youth, yet never a word of me while she could smile back and tell him how great a warrior he had been, and never a word of me, whose deeds she was wont to praise, who saved her in the Halakasi caves and from Dingaan. No, never a word of me, although I stood there staring at them. I suppose they did not see you, Umslopogaas. That is so, Macumazahn. I am sure that they did not see me, for if they had, they would not have been so much at ease. But I saw them, and as they would not take heed when I shouted, I ran up calling to my brother to defend himself with his club. Then, as he still took no note, I lifted the axe, Inkosikas, making it circle in the light, and smote with all my strength. And what happened, Umslopogas? Only this, Macmassan, that the axe went straight through my brother from the crown of his head to the groin, cutting him in two, and he just went on talking. Indeed, he did more, for stooping down he gathered a white lily bloom, which grew there, and gave it to Nada, who smelt at it, smiled, and thanked him, and then thrust it into her girdle, still thanking him all the while. Yes, she did this, for I saw it with my eyes, Macumazahn. Here the Sulu's voice broke, and I think that he wept, for in the faint light I saw him draw his long hand across his eyes, whereon I took the opportunity to turn my back and light a pipe. Macumazahn, he went on presently, it seems that madness took hold of me for a long while for I shouted and raved at them, thinking that words and rage might hurt where good steel could not, 
and as I did so they faded away and disappeared, still smiling and talking. Nada, smelling at the lily which, having a long stalk, rose up above her breast. After this I rushed away and suddenly met that savage king, Rezu, whom I slew a few days gone. At him I went with the axe, wondering whether he would put up a better fight this second time. And uh, did he, Umslopogas? Nay, but I think he felt me, for he turned and fled, and when I tried to follow I could not see him. So I ran on, and presently who should I find but Baleka? Baleka, Chaka's sister, who, repeated not Makumasan, was my mother. And Makumasan, she saw me. Yes, though I was but little when last she looked on me, who now am great and grim, she saw and knew me, for she floated up to me and smiled at me and seemed to press her lips upon my forehead, though I could feel no kiss and to draw the soreness out of my heart. Then she, too, was gone, and of a sudden I fell down through space, having, I suppose, stepped into some deep hole, or perchance a well. The next thing I knew was that I awoke in the house of the White Witch, and saw you sleeping at my side, and the witch leaning back upon her bed, and smiling at me through the thin blanket with which she covers herself up, for I could see the laughter in her eyes. Now I grew mad with her because of the things that I had seen in the place of dreams, and it came into my heart that it would be well to kill her, that the world might be rid of her, and her evil magic, which can show lies to men. So, being distraught, I sprang up and lifted the axe and stepped towards her, whereon she rose and stood before me, laughing out loud. Then she said something in the tongue I cannot understand, and pointed with her finger, and lo, Next moment it was as if giants had seized me and were whirling me away, till presently I found myself breathless but unharmed beyond the arch, and what does it all mean, Makumasan? Very little as I think, Umslopogas, except that this queen has powers to which those of Sikali are as nothing and can cause visions to float before the eyes of men. For know that such things as you saw, I saw, and in them those whom I have loved also seem to take no thought of me, but only to be concerned with each other. 
Moreover, when I awoke and told this to the queen who is called She Who Commands, she laughed at me as she did at you, and said that it was a good lesson for my pride, who in that pride had believed that the dead only thought of the living. But I think that the lesson came from her who wished to humble us, Umslopogas, and that it was her mind that shaped these visions which we saw. I think so too, Makumasan, but how she knew of all the matters of your life and mine, I do not know, unless perhaps Sikali told them to her, speaking in the night watches as wizards can. Nay, Umslopogas, I believe that by her magic she drew out stories out of our own hearts and then set them forth to us afresh, putting her own color on them. Also, it may be that she drew something from Hans and from Goroko and the other Zulus with you and thus paid us the fee that she had promised for our service. But in Langsik oxen and barren cows, not in good cattle, Umslopogas. He nodded and said, Though at the time I seemed to go mad and thought I know what women are false and men must follow where they lead them, never will I believe that my brother, the woman-hater, and Nada are lovers in the land below and have there forgotten me the comrade of one of them, and the husband of the other. Moreover, I hold, Makmasan, that you and I have met with a just reward for our folly. We have sought to look through the bottom of the graves at things which the great great in heaven above did not mean that men should see. And now that we have seen, we are unhappier than we were since such dreams burn themselves upon the heart as a red-hot iron burns the hide of an ox, so that the hair will never grow again where it has been and the hide is marred. To you, watcher by night, I say, content yourself with your watching, and whatever it may bring to you in fame and wealth, and to myself I say, Holder of the axe, content yourself with the axe and what it may bring to you in fair fight and glory. And to both of us I say, let the dead sleep unawakened until we go to join them, which surely will be soon enough. Good words, Umslopogas but they should have been spoken ere ever we set out on this journey. Not so, Makmasan, since that journey we were fated to make to say one who lies yonder, the Lady's sad eyes, and, as they tell me, is well again. Also Sikali willed it, and who can resist the will of the opener of roads, so it is made, and we have seen many strange things, and won some glory, 
and come to know how deep is the pool of our own foolishness who thought that we could search out the secrets of death and there have only found those of a witch's mind and venom reflected as in water and now having discovered all these things i wish to be gone from this haunted land when do we march macumazahn tomorrow morning i believe if the lady sad eyes and the others are well enough as she who commands says they will be good then i would sleep who am more weary than i was after i had killed Riesu in the battle on the mountain yes i answered since it is harder to fight ghosts than men and dreams if they be bad are more dreadful than deeds good night umslopogaas he went and i too went to see how it fared with enis i found that she was fast asleep but in a quite different sleep to that into which Asha seemed to have plunged her now it was absolutely natural and looking at her lying there upon the bed i thought how young and healthy was her appearance the women in charge of her also told me that she had awakened at the hour appointed by she who commands as it seemed quite well and very hungry although she appeared to be puzzled by her surroundings after she had eaten they added that she had sung a song which was probably a hymn and prayed upon her knees making signs upon her breast and then gone quietly to bed my anxiety relieved as regards enos i returned to my own quarters not feeling inclined for slumber however instead of turning in i sat at the doorway contemplating the beauty of the night while i watched the countless fireflies that seemed to dust the air with sparks of burning gold also the great owls and other fowl that haunt the dark these had come out in numbers from their hiding places among the ruins and sailed to and fro like white-winged spirits now seen and now lost in the gloom while i sat thus many reflections came to me as to the extraordinary nature of my experiences during the past few days had any man ever known the like i wondered what could they mean and what could this marvellous woman asha be was she perhaps a personification of nature itself as indeed to some extent all women are was she human at all or was she some spirit symbolizing a departed people faith and civilization and haunting the ruins where once she reigned as queen no the idea was ridiculous since such beings do not exist though it was impossible to doubt that she possessed powers beyond those of common humanity as she possessed beauty and fascination greater than are given to any other woman of one thing i was certain however that the shades i had seemed to visit 
had their being in the circle of her own imagination and intelligence. There Umslopogaas was right. We had seen no dead. We had only seen pictures and images that she drew and fashioned. Why did she do this, I wondered? Perhaps to pretend to powers which she did not possess, perhaps out of sheer elfish mischief, or perhaps, as she asserted, just to teach us a lesson and to humble us in our own sight. Well, if so, she had succeeded. For never did I feel so crushed and humiliated as at that moment. I had seemed to descend, or ascend, into Hades, and there had only seen things that gave me little joy, and did but serve to reopen old wounds. Then, on awaking, I had been bewitched, yes, fresh from those visions of the most dear dead, I had been bewitched by the overpowering magic of this woman's loveliness and charm, and made a fool of myself, only to be brought back to my senses by her triumphant mockery. Oh, I was humbled indeed, and yet the odd thing is that I could not feel angry with her, and what is more that, perhaps from vanity, I believed in her profession of friendship towards myself. Well, the upshot of it was that, like Umslopogaas, more than anything else in the world did I desire to depart from this haunted core and to bury all its recollections in such activities as fortune might bring to me. And yet, and yet it was well to have seen it and to have plucked the flower of such marvellous experience nor as i knew even then could i ever enter the memory of asha the wise the perfect in all loveliness and the half divine in power when i awoke the next morning the sun was well up and after i had taken a swim in the old bath and dressed myself I went to see how it fared with Enos. I found her sitting at the door of her house looking extremely well and with a radiant face. She was engaged in making a chain of some small and beautiful blue flowers of the Iris tribe, of which quantities grew about, that she threaded together upon stalks of dry grass. This chain, which was just finished, she threw over her head so that it hung down upon her white robe, for now she was dressed like an Arab woman, though without the veil. I watched her unseen for a little while, then came forward and spoke to her. She started at the sight of me and rose as though to run away, then, apparently reassured by my appearance, selected a particularly fine flower and offered it to me. I saw at once that she did not know me in the least, and thought that she had never seen me before. In short, that her mind had gone, exactly as Asha had said that it would do. By way of making conversation, I asked her if she felt well. She replied, Oh, yes, she had never felt better, then added, 
Daddy has gone on a long journey and will not be back for weeks and weeks. An idea came to me and I answered, Yes, Inez, but I am a friend of his and he has sent me to take you to a place where I hope that we shall find him. Only it is far away, so you also must make a long journey. She clapped her hands and answered, Oh, that will be nice. I do so love traveling, especially to find Daddy, who I expect will have many proper clothes with him, not these which, although they are very comfortable and pretty, seem different to what I used to wear. You look very nice too, and I am sure that we shall be great friends, which I am glad of, for I have been rather lonely since my mother went to live with the saints in heaven, because, you see, Daddy is so busy and so often away that I do not see much of him. Upon my word, I could have wept when I heard her prattle on thus. It is so terrible, unnatural, almost dreadful indeed, to listen to a full-grown woman who talks in the accents and expresses the thoughts of a child. However, under all the circumstances, I recognized that her calamity was merciful and remembering that Asha had prophesied the recovery of her mind as well as its loss, and how great seemed to be her powers in these directions, I took such comfort as I could. Leaving her, I went to see the two Zulus, who had been wounded, and found to my joy that they were now quite well and fit to travel, for here, too, Asha's prophecy had proved good. The other men also were completely rested and anxious to be gone, like Umslopogas and myself. While I was eating my breakfast, Hans announced the venerable Bilali, who with a sweeping bow informed me that he had come to inquire when we should be ready to start, as he had received orders to see to all the necessary arrangements. I replied within an hour, and he departed in a hurry. But little after the appointed time he reappeared with a number of litters and their bearers, also with a bodyguard of twenty-five picked men, all of whom we recognized as brave fellows who had fought well in the battle. These men and the bearers old Bilali harangued, telling them that they were to guide carry and escort us to the other side of the great swamp, or further if we needed it, and that it was the word of she who commands that if so much as the smallest harm came to any one of us, even by accident, they should die every man of them, by the hot pot, whatever that might be, for I was not sure of the significance of this horror. For this see the book called She, editor. Then he asked them if they understood. They replied with fervor that they understood perfectly, and would lead and guard us though we were their own mothers. As a matter of fact they did, and I think would have done so independently of Asha's command, since they looked upon Umslopogas and myself almost as gods and thought that we could destroy them all if we wished, as we had destroyed Rezu and his host. I asked Bilali if he were not coming with us, to which he replied no, 
as she who commands had returned to her own place and he must follow her at once. I asked him again where her own place might be, to which he answered vaguely that it was everywhere, and he stared first at the heavens and then at the earth, as though she inhabited most of them, adding that generally it was in the caves, though what he meant by that I did not know. Then he said that he was very glad to have met us, and that the sight of Umslopogaas killing Rezu was a spectacle that he would remember with pleasure all his life. Also he asked me for a present. I gave him a spare pencil that I possessed in a little German silver case, with which he was delighted. Thus I parted with old Bilali, of whom I shall always think with a certain affection. I noticed even then that he kept very clear indeed of Umslopogaas, thinking, I suppose, that he might take a last opportunity to fulfil his threats and introduce him to his terrible axe. End of chapter 23 of She and Alan by H. Ryder Haggard Read by Lars Rolander